You are listening to the Mad Device Rep Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the men and women of the Red Hat Gang, aka the online community of medical device sales reps. I'm your host, the Mad Device Rep. What's up, Red Hat Gang, and welcome to episode six of the Mad Device Rep Podcast. I'm very excited about today's episode because this is an event I've been looking forward to for a very long time as I've been thinking about trying to get a podcast off the ground. Today I'm joined by a special guest. You might know him as Ortho Opinionated. Some of you may know him as Dr. Brian Moss. So with that, go ahead and introduce our guest. How are you doing, Dr. Moss? MDR, man. This is awesome. I've been waiting for this too. Oh, that makes that makes two of us. Um, I'm glad to have you excited about it as well. We absolutely love your content. I think I maybe had like a hundred followers on the Mad Device Rep account when people started sending me those TikToks that you would make, especially about your interaction with reps and like roasting certain rep tendencies and how everybody's trying to hammer you with products all at once. <laughs> it's fantastic. Yeah. yeah, no, I think we um We've been kind of interacting probably for like three years, I think, on Instagram. That's right. right? Yeah. So I, I think I started doing TikToks about three years ago and then uh, started posting some of them to Instagram. And that's when I think me and you kind of started a correspondence. Yeah, back that's and forth. right. What was hilarious and it was so relatable. So I want to talk about that. But first, why don't you tell us a bit about you and what you do? From a certain, you know, from a uh, clinical standpoint, you know, what got you into medicine, and we'll take it from there. Yeah, for sure. So um, I do uh, general orthopedics. Um, I'm in the Chicago area. I'm in a suburb called Arlington Heights. So we're about 20, 25 miles away from the city. Um, I did a sports fellowship uh, following my residency at Michigan State. I did a fellowship in San Diego for a year. Um, I trained with a guy named David Chow. Some people know him now as the pro football doc. Um, he does a lot of, uh, sports injury type stuff, but, um, yeah, after uh, fellowship, I decided to come back. I grew up in this area now, so I came back home and, uh, started practice. I'm in private practice and kind of just, I have a cool general practice. I do, a lot of shoulder and knee stuff, but um, still take trauma calls, so I'm still doing all the trauma stuff, and then uh, shoulder and knee replacements. Got it. So do you get fantasy football intel from Dr. Chow? Yeah, so <laughs> Dr. Chow is one of the smartest guys <laughs> that I've ever come across. So, you know, he's got a, he's got a website called um, Sports Injury Central, and um, he started that about two or three years ago, and he does amazing injury analysis, and um, he tweets about injuries uh, live time. So for those guys out there who are doing uh, live betting and stuff like that um, and want to know if a guy is going to come back or not, he's a great resource for that. Um, but, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll shoot him texts every once in a while and say, you know, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? Um, Part of my training with him, one of the things was we were always on the field for Charger games, and he always asked me if I watched the replay 
he was very big on video analysis. So you can really tell a lot about an injury from from the video. Wow, so not just from like breaking down a play, but actually looking at the injury itself on the instant replay. Exactly. He his whole website right now, really a lot of his injury analysis is based on uh, the video. Um, and they've tracked him over like the past three years and he's got like a 95% accuracy oh my gosh. rate. So it's, you can, you can, I mean, obviously he's got almost two decades of team coverage experience, but, um, yeah, video analysis is, it's, it's, it's huge. That's amazing. Cause I know that a lot of reps who've worked in orthopedics when they're watching football, see a guy go down like, oh yeah, yeah, definitely an AC joint injury. And it turns out to be something completely right, right. unrelated. So this guy's on it. <laughs> oh yeah. He, he's, he's definitely on so it. Do you feel like your clinical background has helped you? Cause you told me that you play fantasy football. So when you're looking at players, especially during the draft, like trying to figure out who's going to be the biggest injury risk. Yeah. I mean, it's inevitable every time I, I draft and I, and I feel like somebody's healthy you know, week one or week two, my number one running back will go down with an injury every single year. <laughs> so it really doesn't matter. <laughs> you, you... It really, I, I mean, it really doesn't matter. It's, I think it's more important, you know, mid-season and during the season, making waiver wire pickups and stuff like that. Right. But And that's, I mean, and that still can be a dart throw, but at least you've got a few oh, yeah. more data points the rest of us don't have. Right, right. Well, right. we could do an entire podcast on fantasy football and injuries and who's injury prone. But for, for the purpose of today, I want to ask you some questions back on the content creation side. So when you started building content out, you said you started with TikTok. Like what, what was your inspiration for starting to make that content? Yeah, so, you know, I was floating around on Instagram just like everybody else. And always kind of toying with, okay, what do I want to do with Instagram other than post pictures of my family? How is this going to, uh, you know, further me in my career or business? Um, and I was, I don't know if you've, you're like a Gary V guy, but I was following Gary V. And this was going back, you know, three, four years ago. And he, all he was doing was hyping up TikTok. Right. So I'm like, what the, f what the fuck is TikTok? <laughs> so a lot of us, you know, I downloaded the app and started playing around with it, and I thought it was so fun. Um, and originally, so originally, my idea was, okay, I'm gonna just post like educational stuff on orthopedics. That's gonna be my niche. I'm not like dancing around or anything. So you never you know. did any TikTok dances? So, yeah, <laughs> not really. I mean, there was one time where I did like a, even a quasi dance and um, it was not pretty. It was not pretty. Nobody well, wants to write a passage when you're starting on TikTok. I mean, that's what I thought the entire platform was for when I first looked at it is all those, all those dances, especially during the pandemic when everybody had so much time on their hands. Like doing all those weird dances. Right, I mean, if that's right. your thing, then right. then go for it. But I, I, right. I still don't understand. But yeah, yeah, and I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions of TikTok right now is, and even over the past couple of years is, you know, when I first tell like my buddies, oh, I'm go going on TikTok, they're like, dude, it's like teenage teenagers dancing around. But you know, TikTok now is like eclipsing Google when people are doing searches and stuff like that. So. 
you can find great information that's absolutely free all over TikTok and it's in video form. So I think it's an amazing platform and clearly they had something right because Instagram kind of ripped off reels from, you know, from TikTok. So naturally, if you like looking at pictures, you know, the next thing is going to be video. And so, you know, TikTok is, it provides that opportunity to create, you know, now live video. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I started doing TikTok and I was doing just personal stuff. And then I started doing educational content and it wasn't that popular, to be honest with you. Um, and then I started, I've always thought the rep surgeon relationship had so many interesting facets to it most of them being comical absolutely so yeah so i mean i i was like i kept seeing videos on tiktok that i'm like oh i could do great memes to some of this stuff and so i started posting on tiktok and i don't think you know i had a lot of people that really understood what i was talking about and then i put them on instagram and then you know they got kind of popular. And so, you know, like through you and through some other reps, they were loving them. And so I kept putting them out because I think there's so much, it's such an interesting relationship to me that, you know, I think it's easy to make fun of uh, in a lighthearted way. Cause I do have a lot of respect for the reps and what you guys do. I think it's safe to say that you won over my audience by having, you know, presenting both sides of it. Like, roasting the annoying tendencies that that reps will do even though it's stuff that we really don't want to acknowledge that we do that the content just right. writes itself i mean that's that's why right. i have content daily is just the minute you set foot into the hospital or even just starting your day just the certain absurd things that nobody else deals with in any other industry or profession would deal with <laughs> right yeah, I agree. I mean, it's a total, you know, it's a niche with within a niche. Um, but when you're when you're in it, um, you love it. I mean, the memes you do. I mean, I look at all that stuff. I mean, I, it's great. Like your whole thing when when Judy from purchasing was out there <laughs> floating around. I mean, I was eating that up. I'm like, yeah, this is She's hilarious. been quiet for a while. I think we might have to do a you know, <laughs> proof of life with her, make sure that she's she's still out there. She hasn't she hasn't trolled me in a right. while. It worries me. Ah, I was dying with some of those. <laughs> that was those, those the caps were great. lock on, and there there are oh, yeah. people that I work with that are. I mean, actually, the ones I really like happen to be the ones that do the the whole shouty cap thing, and I don't know that they realize that <laughs> that. Like just typing everything in all caps, you start to lose the emphasis. <laughs> right, but right, it's, it's right. A real exactly. Thing. So, with your follower base, who would you say makes up the majority of your followers? Like, are they surgeons? Are they reps? Patients? So, I think on Instagram, I mean, I don't have a very big account on Instagram. I'm like under two thousand. I mean, on Instagram, I think it's yeah, I think it's a lot of reps. Uh, surgeons, you know, supporting medical staff, stuff like that. I have a lot of personal friends follow. Um, but my TikTok account, I'm like, I don't know, I think I have like 38,000, oh, wow. somewhere around there. Yeah. So TikTok is more of a general following, you know, there's definitely a lot of um, 
medical professionals on there. And to be honest with you, I don't even know what people do on TikTok because it's it's kind of unlike Instagram. There's a lot of people on TikTok that don't post videos. They're just there to kind of scroll through and check right. things out. And posting is not for them, which is cool. Um, so I don't know. There's some followers I have that I kind of know, you know, some of their backgrounds and stuff. But um, a lot of people have no idea what they do. And what's interesting, it seems like TikTok is much more of a content creator's platform. And so you do get a lot of people that are on it just to consume the content. They don't necessarily want to make it because it's not like Instagram where you mentioned posting pictures of your family, you know, making that connection between friends and family of what's going on in your life and giving everybody that highlight reel. It seems like tick, TikTok's for right, you know, exactly. people making humor content, educational content, and those, you know, the dance content that we talked about. And have, right. Right, have exactly. you have you had patients that have followed your content? Like, do you still do the educational stuff, like where you found it as a way to just further your reach to engage potential patients, current patients? Yeah, you know, I really never set out doing TikTok or Instagram for that matter to really draw in more patients. I mean. You know, I'm not under the illusion that TikTok is going to generate more business for me from from a practice standpoint. Uh, TikTok for me and even Instagram for me is is more it allows me to kind of be creative, which I love. Um, it allows me to, you know, try and make people laugh and and learn a little bit along the way. And um, I really did it to open up, you know, more opportunities just in life in general, but business stuff and and stuff like that. Um, but TikTok, yeah, I love the content creation. I love being creative and it just gives me an outlet of stuff to do. So that's what's fun about the whole like social media content creation in general. You get to flex those muscles that you don't get to flex in your day to day job. Kind of like right. a rep making content, you know, and sometimes I miss marketing, sometimes I don't, but getting to still apply that creativity. Um, have you have you always been right. pretty creative? Like growing up, you you really had that active right brain going? I mean, I am left-handed. I mean, I don't know that that really, you know, is why I am where I am. But I mean, yeah, I mean, I think I've always been fairly creative. Like I come from a creative family. My grandpa was always making up he was very artistic making up games and always had us making videos and stuff like that growing up as kids. And my dad's, you know, a very creative guy. And, uh, so kind of just runs in the family, but, um, yeah, I've, I always have, you know, just constant ideas that are, you know, popping in my head with different things and, you know, time limits everybody and what you can really go after and accomplish. But yeah, TikTok has been a, it's been an awesome experience. It's so fun for me. And um, I've had some good opportunities through it, met some cool people. So, I mean, look, look where I'm talking to you right, right now. That was a social media connection. Yeah. And that's one of the biggest yeah. reasons I do what I do too, without you know having to, or at least from the beginning, trying to aggressively find like the monetization component. It's the connection was was some of the best value out of the entire process, meeting the coolest people in the industry and people who truly appreciate humor content. I mean, that's a special group of people, right? <laughs> like people who who right. don't take themselves too seriously. Um, and I was going to exactly. ask you about that too, you know, through your social media content, whether it's 
TikTok or Instagram, do you ever get people trolling your content? Like people who just really don't like what you're doing and just have to share those opinions? You know what? I honestly, it's very rare. Um, I will occasionally get a, maybe just a couple off comments, more so on TikTok. I haven't really had many Instagram trolls, but TikTok, I'll get a couple like just kind of strange comments, but usually it's just stuff that I find really funny. Um, you know, people will, like talk about my hair or what I mean, just like stupid <laughs> shit, you know, like just really taking shots at you because they can't find anything else. Yeah, I mean, it's like, okay, I mean, like, dude, I'm a 43 year old orthopedic surgeon with like, you know, a family and two kids. I mean, what you think I'm going to get upset about you talking about my hairline or whatever? Like, I, I just doesn't really you're not just me. like clapping back hard in the comments. <laughs> no, I just, you know, it's, I'm doing this for fun and, you know, entertainment. It's not like, you know, this is, this is a fun hobby right. for me. Well, really. and I'm glad to hear that, that you're not having to deal with too many people coming at you in the comment sections. And, and I'll be honest too, it, I don't get a whole lot of that either. And th there are times yeah. where I'm like, am I doing something wrong? Like, doesn't it usually mean a, a, you're doing something right if you get a bunch of haters, but uh, maybe not all the time. And, and, the, and you do get some pretty funny ones. Like, it's just entertaining if somebody just makes some yeah. really snarky comment. And just learn to brush that off. It's just not that big. It's just not that right. big a deal. Yeah, I mean, I think if you're, if you, I think if you're putting out, like, value-based, genuine content, I, I don't think you're going to get a lot of haters. I mean, I think... The trolling and the haters come more in when you start doing more political based types of posting, you know, that's more kind of controversial. I mean, what is somebody going to give me hate because I'm explaining about a frozen shoulder, you know, or I'm, I'm telling you about a sports related injury or I'm, t or I'm, you know, giving you insight into a rotator cuff tear. I mean, what? What are you going to hate right. about on that? Right, you know? is maybe that you're getting attention. So. That's all I can think of in that in that in that oh, instance. Oh yeah, yeah, sure. And that's just one of the things where I've talked about this on other podcasts where I've got enough. Where at some point I've got to do like a mean tweet reading of <laughs> like. Oh yeah, that'd be you awesome. Know, what I found is, especially in like direct messages in my DMs, when when somebody just hits me with some scathing like position or like response to something, usually it's it. Like what do they what do they t what do they say? To you know, you? usually it's just something like it's a total misunderstanding or misinterpretation of what I posted. Because what I post, I'm not I'm not necessarily like trying to like take a position on some side other than being an advocate for sales reps, and that's yeah. kind of hard to disagree with if it's a population of sales reps that follow you. Um, but there is one pretty funny story. Uh, you know, one of my favorite followers that. I had posted I had posted info about a job and it was a breakdown of how the role was compensated and part of it was a base and uh, they thought that the the base was like the total comp package and that I was like telling my audience that this was a great role <laughs> and right, we had right, some right. back and forth and neither one of us were backing down and then then we figured out that we were talking about two completely different things and that's like my favorite yeah, instance lately yeah. and we still laugh about that but um, yeah. I think like I had one guy, I made a comment about how LinkedIn 
um, I, I, I don't remember exactly how I phrased it, but it was back when we were having all these discussions about what reps should be posting on LinkedIn and about how like your awards and achievements, you know, it makes sense to share them on your profile. But if you're constantly posting about nothing but your awards and achievements, then that's really all your brand is. It becomes this self-serving image. And I think the one follower right. thought that I was telling everybody not to list their accomplishments on their LinkedIn profile. And I believe his words were, uh, yeah. "Take this d or delete this post before you lose any credibility. <laughs> <laughs> and I just kind of laughed it off because I was like, I think he just misunderstood it. And he did. So, I mean, it was all good. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not usually looking for a fight. Um, I mean, honestly, right, I'm never right. looking for a fight. That's, that's not my purpose on social media. Right. But s sometimes people are, and you just can't give it to them. I mean, somebody right. just, maybe they're having a bad day and they're just looking for that just, you know, volatile interaction. That's, you don't want to give that to them. You don't, you don't want to take the bait. No, no, <laughs> exactly. So, exactly. Well, I'm, I'm glad that you don't have to deal with that much. I'm glad I don't have to deal with that much. It sounds like we both have just great audiences and that's what makes the whole thing so much more yeah. fun. So, uh, don't want to talk too much about, you know, my side of things because I've got your time on the show. So I want to keep asking you questions uh, for things I think my audience would really benefit from. And we talked about that interaction with the surgeon and the rep where the content writes itself daily. And sometimes it's the rep. Sometimes it's the surgeon. Sometimes it's the OR staff. I mean, there's so many variables <laughs> of how that relationship's affected. So I wanted to ask you really the good, the bad, and the ugly in your experience with sales reps. You know, when you think about, we'll start with the good, you know, like the best reps that you work with, you know, what are they doing specifically that makes you want to continue to work with them and, and keep their business with you? Yeah, for sure. Um, so when I think about, you know, that kind of question and, and like who my favorite reps are, it's, it's, it comes down to reliability and I think it comes down to consistency. Um, you know, I, I, I don't look for the reps to be like my best friend. That is not my expectation when it comes to reps. You know, my expectation when it comes to reps is that you know your product inside and out. And you have everything ready to go once we, you know, get into the OR. And... Outside of that, anything else that you can contribute is really a bonus to me. Um, you know, my thing is, is that like, if I'm doing knee replacements, okay, the rep that I use, I've got an amazing relationship with them. I've known them since I was a resident. And when, when we go in, no matter who my team is, because I'm not like fortunate enough to have the same people that I work with you know, every week, I could have a new team every time. And so the thing I love about like my total joint reps or my even my I use Arthrex for ACLs. The Arthrex rep or the total knee rep, they can go in the back and they don't have to really talk to me, but they can tell the scrub tech no matter who I'm working with, step by step what I'm going to be doing next. And they can have everything, you know, ready essentially so they could i can get through every case efficiently no matter really who's scrubbing my case so so being ready with all the equipment 
you know, having backup, having backup solutions, if the equipment fails, or I mess something up, or I drop something, and being able to talk the scrub tech through the case is, is really what makes, you know, the difference of having a great rep from a not great rep. So as I'm, as I'm hearing you talk about, you know, what you're looking for from your reps, what I think a lot of it boils down to is the leadership component that's required to be a good rep. And maybe not all of us can see it that way. If you've got staff turning over, you've got, you know, an inconsistency in the personnel you work with, and you know that that rep is the one person that's going to be the consistent, reliable component, you know, they really have to get everybody else on the same page. Does that, does that make sense? Am I on the right track? A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, that's what really makes our lives easier as surgeons, right? I mean, you know, my, my hospital, I, I'm lucky enough that I only operate at one hospital and there's a day surgery and there's a main OR. And so I'm working with the same groups of people, but I may work with somebody and then maybe they don't work with me for three weeks and maybe they get a little you know, um, foggy on how I do something specifically. And I know, like my consistent reps will go chat with them, you know, 10 minutes before a case, and even through the case, they'll they'll talk them through like the whole thing. And for me, um, that just is a huge takes a burden off my shoulders, because I can just focus on doing my job. Well, and that makes complete sense. And that's where I think it's so important for reps to be so dialed in to what's going on from a personnel standpoint and trying to stay 10 steps ahead of anything that can possibly affect either the logistics or workflow from somebody who's new to the product. So, I mean, I think that's very valuable insight that a lot of the good reps already know. It does not hurt to have that reminder. And for new reps, just knowing, hey, look, like complacency will absolutely kill you you have got to treat every day like you're going in there with a new surgeon you're trying to impress. Right. Yeah, totally. And and I think, you know, some of the misconception is is that, oh, you know, I have to go into the OR and, you know, I have to be entertaining or, you know, I have to tell good jokes or, you know, I have to talk, you know, for me personally, like some guys might want that, you know, some surgeons, maybe they want to be entertained. I mean, everybody's different, right? But for me, like my opinion is when we go to surgery, I want you to have the instruments ready. I want you to know your product inside and out. So in case we get into a jam, you can kind of talk me through how to, you know, get out of that with the product specifically and focus on the scrub tech and talking them through with the, the proper instrumentation. And then, you know, and, and you probably know this, but you know, there's different levels of reps, right? The more experience you get, the, the next kind of level you jump to. So when you're first starting, you're not gonna go into a case and start offering up, you know, ideas and shit like that. When you first start, you're trying to find out where you have to go in the hospital and, you know, SPD trays and, you know, is this sterile and blah, blah, blah. So when you're first starting, you just need to focus on having all this stuff ready and clean and sterile and making sure that part of the 
the job is done. And then after that, you know, if you did that when you first start, you got your you did your job, right? And then kind of the next levels or you know what I would say the master level is is surgeons kind of in a jam and he and you you saw something somebody do something, you know, last month and you offer up, "Hey doc, like I saw somebody with the same issue, you know, maybe you can consider trying this." Yeah, that makes complete sense. And then what you're saying goes back to something that I heard on a podcast. I mean, I was part of the podcast with, uh, I think it was Dr. Vinod Dasa, saying that a rep has to be, like in his eyes, the best rep is a consultant, a coach, and a curator of information. Because you have this, like for the experienced reps, you have this like much deeper perspective from seeing other surgeons do things. And so you're saying that you really see that value in bringing the um, maybe a different workflow or a tactic or troubleshooting measures to to the table for you. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, when I was when I was like, in, so I this is my tenth year in practice, just for perspective. When I was um, my first two years, like the the total joint rep I had, he was like a lifelong guy with the same product. I mean, he knew he knew shit that I didn't even learn in residency. You know what I mean? I'm not saying he could like physically do the surgery himself, but this guy's basically doing, you know, a million knees a year. And I'm doing, you know, at that time, you know, I'm doing 50, 60 knees. So so, yeah, he could offer up a lot of like little tips and tricks with his instruments and just in general. Um, unfortunately, you know, there's not a lot of longevity like there used to be. And that's, you know, that's a little bit concerning. And and I was just talking about this with, with a Synthes rep who's been with Synthes for like, I don't know, 12 years or something. Um, and I don't know if you're feeling the same way, but, um, one thing I've noticed in my short time in practice is, is that uh, there's there's not the same kind of longevity that there used to be. Yeah, and I think that we are seeing more of that just because the industry has changed so much, even from where I started, like well over a decade ago. You know, it's from a you know from a position of compensation, just the way that we interact with healthcare facilities, um, the way that. Pricing contracts go into effect now, especially when you're working with IDNs and GPOs. You know, you're, when products go on contract, sometimes it can be incredibly difficult to fight that. Um, you know, that's certainly one thing. Uh, another thing is price erosion on the subject of contracts. You know, pricing never goes up year over year. It only goes down. And, you know, th- I think that can affect, depending on where you work and what kind of role you're in, um, it can affect that that true incentive and motivation to to do a job that requires a tremendous amount of energy with you know a decent amount of risk if you work for a company that's looking at your numbers year over year and if you're you know if you're missing quota you know one two three years in a row however you're structured you're gone <laughs> and so you have to decide like yeah. what makes that risk worth it yeah no question and I mean, just and I don't and I don't pretend to like sit in your shoes or or the rep shoes. Um, I have some real close friends that are reps, but yeah, I mean, we all are you know facing different 
issues or obstacles on a daily basis. And, you know, just like you said, I mean, prices get cut year over year. It's just like our compensation for procedures. I mean, you know, every other business industry, you know, you go to McDonald's, you go to McDonald's and well, maybe it costs them, you know, an extra 10 cents to make their fries, but now they just pass it on to the customer. Right. Right. So now you're paying another 20 cents for your fries, but we can't do that in healthcare. And I'm not complaining about compensation, but I am complaining about compensation because every year we're getting paid less to do the same procedures with the same liability. Um, and I know it affects you guys as well. And it's not right. You know, it's all very you know? connected. And talking about difficulties, rep spacing is by no means any kind of effort to downplay what what the healthcare providers are facing right now. I mean, gosh, it, seeing just even across my own territory, knowing it's ever since, I mean, even before the pandemic, but after once the pandemic hit, it just exposed a lot of the inefficiencies and just true challenges that had never been addressed in the healthcare system. So I, I appreciate you sharing that as well because, you know, we're, we're in this together. <laughs> we're from an yeah. industry standpoint and a provider standpoint, I know we try to be aligned as much as possible. Um, but when it comes to like big healthcare administration and insurance companies and government, uh, you know, CMS, you know, Medicare, Medicaid reimbursement, that's one thing that's a little bit harder for us to control. Oh, it's incredibly hard to control. That was a complete understatement. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, part of the problem is, is that, you know, you've got people in hospital administration that are making decisions on, on, on prices. And right, it's a business, I get that. But a lot of people don't really see what you guys are doing in terms of what value you bring. Now, if you ask the surgeon, they're going to tell you, take care of the reps. Our reps are, they're our front line. I mean, they're, they're our team. A hospital administrator who's sitting in an office, you know, on the, on the penthouse floor, they don't get it. There's definitely a disconnect that I feel like is continuing to grow. I think from administration and the surgeon, do you feel like you're like your ability to make decisions for surgeon preference items has been diminished in the last, we'll call it the last 10 years? So I'm in private practice. Um, we have a good relationship with our hospital currently. Um, I wouldn't say that I've lost my right to make decisions, but it's everything's more scrutinized. Right. And there's, there's cost savings agreements and arrangements that are made. So there's definitely a, an, an emphasis on cost, right. which there always has been. But over the past few years, it's, it's way more intensified than it ever right. has been. That's really been under a microscope in the last two to three years, really since, especially since February, March, 2020. So I'm, hoping to see that turn around but we know that 
cost considerations, that never goes away. So we're just going to have to truly understand, like, how do we keep demonstrating the value of our products, um, even when there's a premium associated with it? So that's one thing I do want to ask you about is when you when somebody's presenting you with some kind of new technology, how do you like to be approached? Because catching surgeons at the scrub sink, I feel like that's a thing of the past. You're, you're trying to get in the zone. You know, the last thing that's probably on your mind is wanting to hear a product pitch from somebody who is just, you know, ambushing you at the scrub sink before you're trying to go take care of a patient. Like, is that, would you rather them try to set up time at your office, like catch you when you're breaking scrub? Is there a, for you, is there an ideal time for that? Yeah, I think you hit it right on the head, man. I mean, 100% agree with you. One of my, one of my biggest pet peeves is when guys, even if you have a great relationship with them, when they start pitching you as you're scrubbing in for surgery or, you know, I've had guys, I'm scoping a shoulder and they're starting to tell me about, you know, the, the newest and greatest thing that is coming out, you know, in a month from now. That just, it just drives me crazy. I mean, there's definitely a time and a place for all that stuff. Um, my preference, honestly, is after surgery's done, you go up to the doc and you say, hey, doc, I have, a, you know, something cool is coming down the pipeline. Can I swing by your office? You know, if you want coffee, I mean, I don't really tell reps, oh, get me coffee or get me lunch or whatever like that, but you offer it. So after the case, hey, great case company's got a new product coming out. I think you would be interested or I'd like to get your opinion on it because I value your opinion. Can I come by? I'll, I'll pick up a coffee or lunch or whatever. You know, give me 20 minutes and let the doctor like give you a time that will work for them because we're everybody's busy, right? And everybody's got a schedule. And I know if I've carved out, you know, 20 minutes to look at something, then you've got my attention for 20 minutes. You, you know? better be concise. It's not, <laughs> Cut out the fluff. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and I'm not going to be distracted with other stuff. I'm not thinking about surgery or, you know, X, Y, or Z. I've got it mentally down where, okay, I'm going to give 20 minutes to the rep and I'm going to check out a product. And I'm going to be more open-minded versus cynical. Right. So it's really better to do it off-site. Not try to just spring it on you at the hospital. Hey, check this, (laughs) check out this new plate. Like, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's just, and you know what? You know what's the thing is, is this might piss off some people, but everybody's different, right? Some surgeons, maybe they feed off that and maybe they like that. And maybe some guys like, I mean, I know some guys that are more like ADD and they don't care. That stuff doesn't bother them. You can ask them while they're scrubbing in. But I'd say like the, the majority of people, timing is everything, right? So just don't do it at a critical time when we're, when we're focusing on, you know, a specific surgery or task at right. hand. Yeah, that makes complete sense. There was a surgeon that, there was a spine surgeon earlier in my career that, that told me something I'll never forget. He said that when we start a procedure, our mental energy is finite. So we have to conserve all of that mental energy for what's truly important to the procedure. I think they were looking at some complicated technology and he's like talking about the fiddle factor. This is too distracting. He's like, 
this is going to take away from my mental energy. He said, and I, I can't, I yeah. don't have the mental energy to be constantly trying to like fiddle around with this if it's not a smooth workflow. And I think that goes into yeah. how you approach surgeons when they're focusing on the most important task, taking care of the patient. You know, you don't want to disrupt that focus right. and, and truly try to withdraw that mental energy for yourself. Um, do right. it at the end, you know, find, find better ways to do it. Um, it. Actually, that brings me to another point. So when you, when you think about LinkedIn, um, do you, are you active on LinkedIn? Not really. I mean, I have an account, but I, I don't really go okay. on there. And that's where I was curious, you know, if people were to approach you on LinkedIn, like, is that an acceptable format if there's new technology that, that they think would be a good fit for you? And I'm probably opening up a can of worms. Now everybody's going to go blow you up on LinkedIn. But <laughs> I'm curious what your opinion is. Yeah. On that. I wouldn't. I mean, for me, that's not the best avenue. I mean, I'm sure a lot of docs, you know, are probably not that active on LinkedIn. I don't know. I don't know. For me, I, I you know, I opened an account on there like probably five years ago. But I don't, I don't really have a... Um, there's no reason for me to really be on LinkedIn. I'm not looking for a job. I'm not, I don't, I don't really know the purpose of LinkedIn. When, when I signed up, it was more like job stuff and, and posting about jobs. Um, so personally, I'm not a big LinkedIn guy. Um, for me, it's more either I seek out somebody cause I see something like, uh, online or social media and I want to learn more about it or you know alternatively one of the reps I know says oh we have this cool product blah 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 let's set up a time got it and yeah, that makes sense so it's like DM like DMing you on LinkedIn with information like that's just not a good route to do it but if you can just you know essentially create you know a more visible brand that might be engaging that's a better way to do it more passively than coming straight to you yeah, like people, people will, I'll get a DM every once in a while about like a new product. And sometimes I'll get like cards or like brochures that are dropped off at the office. I honestly, I think it's a waste. I mean, it just doesn't really go that far w with me. Um, There'll be time periods where I'm looking, I'm looking for other options, you know, and if I see something cool, I'll investigate further. But most of the time it's coming from like the reps I have relationship relationships with. Um, I will say that I have found some cool stuff like reps will um, drop off some stuff and they'll um, see if we want to do a lunch with them. And um, They'll bring in trays uh, and they'll, you know, they'll do a quick lunch in the office with the support staff. And then I'll pop in and say hello and see, you know, kind of sniff out the product. And that that has got my attention a few and times. So maybe that's a technique people want to try. And that's what I'm going to say. That's good to know. And that's one thing that did a previous podcast with Omar Khatib. And he talks about like the sphere of influence around surgeons where winning over the staff, you know, the people that are with you day to day that you know and trust, like those are good people also to engage with new technology because ultimately you might be running that by them too. <laughs> I mean, they're part, P part yeah, of your, sure. like an advisory group, right? Yeah, definitely. You know, like, definitely. And I think that's a good takeaway there is, 
you know, just learning how your surgeons want to be approached, learning how to read the room. And like, that's where that self-awareness is key. (laughs) And that's what I want to ask you about. Everybody loves a good horror story. So do you have like, like a good horror story of like a rep who really pissed you off that approached you in a way that you were just like, I am never going to work with that guy or gal or, or even somebody who just did something so stupid in the OR that they were out. Yeah, so I got a couple of things. I mean, <laughs> more recently, and I don't really, I mean, I'm a pretty laid back guy when it comes to this kind of stuff. But like more recently, I saw a, a bigger company was developing a new product that I thought looked interesting. I made an inquiry and I had a rep come out they set up a time, you know, with me appropriately. And um, so we carved out like a half hour. And he was a newer rep. I'll call him a kid just because now he's I'm probably, you know, 15, 20 years older than him. But he came out to show me a product and it was just like a colossal flop. I mean, you know, he, he said, Oh, you know, this thing is great. It's, you know, it just came out. Um, he goes, we just got educated on it. And the whole pitch was just, you know, he didn't, he, he just didn't know the too product. green. Couldn't talk to clinical nuances. Yeah. And it was new and he didn't have a lot of time probably where he could play with it on his own. And it was just, you know, he's just kind of fumbling around and he was a really nice guy and I wasn't pissed off, but I just kind of stopped him after like 20 minutes. And I was like, I was kind of laughing and I just said, you know, this is not good for you. And I'm not trying to be a dick when I say this, but I'm probably never going to use this thing. And, you know, I said, I get that you were probably excited to come show me this thing. Like it's a big opportunity, but if you not, if you're not a hundred percent confident in, in the product and how it works and you know, like the ins and outs of it just for a demo, then you shouldn't, you shouldn't choose this time to pitch me. You know what it's I'm a saying? more experience under your belt. Like go see cases, go talk to other, you know, key opinion leaders. Just play with, I mean, just know how to even do the product and answer like basic questions. Right. It reminds you me know? of that scene where Elon um, Musk smashes the window of the Cybertruck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like doing a yeah, demo exactly. that just completely has gone wrong. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I, I, I kind of felt bad for him. It was going so bad. And I, I was kind of laughing and I just, I just was like honest with him. And I'm like, dude, this is just, it's, we're both wasting each other's time. And my advice to you, cause I know you're new is that don't rush to set up a meeting right. like this, you know, learn the product. There's no emergency. Nothing's gonna, nothing's going to happen if we meet, you know, a month from now. Um, but by rushing that, um, you probably lost right. me. I'm glad you gave him that feedback because I guarantee that rep will never forget that. If it's somebody who cares and wants to be good at med device sales, 
they will carry that with them and hopefully use that <laughs> as a way to never let that happen again. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I mean, he felt bad and I was, my intention wasn't trying to make him feel bad, but I just wanted to say, like, I said to him, I'm like, there's other guys who would just leave the room right now or just, you know, bitch you out or whatever. But that's, that's not the type of person I am. Um, so you know, if people take something away from that story, it's just don't rush, you know, don't rush in to like make the sale, you know, I, that's a real easy way. I mean, we can sniff this stuff out as surgeons easily if somebody doesn't know how their own product operates. You know oh, what yeah. I mean? And I, that's, that's a great takeaway for old and you know, experienced and newer reps. If you're getting new tech in your bag, like, Slow it down. Make sure that you are a subject matter expert. Because just like he said, he was lucky it was you because there are surgeons that I've worked with across the country that that might have been a traumatic experience more than just yeah. feeling bad about right, how you conduct exactly. yourself. Like just purely traumatic. So on the inverse of that, have, have there ever been a pitch that you've just been like, man, that is the best product pitch I've ever seen. Like that rep was on it. Like they really brought it. That just really sticks out in your mind. Let me tell one other horror okay, story. Okay, we'll stay on that because because I think those are those are more important. And if if and if we need to go a little over MDR, I got probably an extra like fifteen okay. minutes. Yeah, that's perfectly fine. Um, so because I think this is a lesson as well. So one of my biggest things with the reps is that you know you make sure all the equipment is is ready to go for the case. And I had a case with a rep that I knew, and it was kind of a routine fracture case. And, you know, the rep was present 30, 40 minutes plus before the case. And I bumped into the rep and I was like, everything all good? Are we set? We're just kind of waiting. And the rep was like, yeah, dropped off all the stuff. We're good. So then... Fast forward, and we got a patient rolling into the OR, and I'm looking at the X-rays, and the rep comes in, and she and the rep says, um, "We're missing a big component of the set." Okay. Yikes. And <laughs> like a key piece of equipment, as the patient's coming in the room, and I'm like. How is this how is this possible? I mean, I saw you I saw you an hour ago and you you told me everything was good. And so needless to say, I had to jump to another company, you know, that was kept in house on the spot and everything worked out fine, but that was I mean, that was a that was a big deal. And and so I don't care if you're entertaining. I don't care if you're the coolest motherfucker on the planet. I don't care if you're a former athlete or whatever. I care that you have all the equipment ready to roll and that you've looked over and know that we have the product ready to go. I mean, and I don't think that's an unfair expectation. I think that's your job. Not at all. Right? And I can that is just like the worst pucker moment as a rep 
Because whether or not it was somebody, you know, like people like to point fingers at SPD, and, and I don't think that's that's fair most of the time. Um, you know, everybody across departments can make a mistake, but ultimately, as the rep, like you own that. What what's in your set or what's not in your set, you ultimately own that. Uh, and was this was this like a newer product that you were trying, or was this something that you were using routinely and the rep just just dropped the ball? Uh, routine rep dropped the ball, and. I mean, good person, nothing against them personally. Like the, I, I like the rep, but that's, I mean, that's something that, you know, that's damaging. That is very damaging to the relationship, to the trust, you know, and, and just to the overall expectations. And I bet that if you're in a case again, it's going to be in the back of your mind. Like, do we really have everything? <laughs> Yeah, no, for sure. And those impressions last. Um, yeah, so my point in sharing that story is just for, you know, the reps that I know you have a strong following, and it's just a reminder that that stuff does happen. And maybe it wasn't that rep's fault specifically, but, you know, they're the ones that are ultimately responsible. Right. Um, so the point is the devil's always in the details, double check, triple check. You got to get there 20 minutes before the case, whatever. And I know you guys are running around from case to case, but um, that's just a good hobby or habit, sorry, to get into is do a once over on, on the trades. Right. Well, and it goes back to, I think a book that everybody should read, whether you're a rep surgeon or in a different industry, extreme ownership, because ultimately what that boils down to is, you own this process. Like you are ultimately responsible for everything that that goes well or goes poorly with your products. You know, it's like in the military, they say you're responsible for everything your people do or fail to do, even if it's like not directly your fault. It's the same approach. It's yeah. the same approach. Oh yeah. And if if people don't Absolutely. take anything else away from anything we've talked about, I want them to take that part away. <laughs> like the key advice for your role yeah. as a rep. And I've made mistakes too, but most important thing is if you are that rep own it own it <laughs> like don't pass that buck yeah like people see right, right. through if you're trying to save your skin and it, right and don't and don't put your don't bury your head in the sand you know what i mean as soon as you think something's awry or that there's an issue you let the people know right right yeah, away. Just take that beating up front, too, if, if you think there's backlash. And that's such a good lesson for anybody yeah. in med tech or any other, any other industry, too, is, like, you get that gut feeling that something's out of place, even if there's going to be a little bit of backlash by addressing it. If you wait for that to unfold, that is going to be exponentially worse <laughs> when it just blows up in your face. So great, great point, right. and I'm glad that you shared that story. Yeah, no, hopefully, uh, because like you said, everybody makes mistakes. And again, it's not anything personal against that person. They made a mistake, but it's, you know, that's a big right. mistake. Right, because I know that there, there had been a time when I was doing a trial, like early, early on, like total rookie. And you look down in that set, it has a little cutouts for instrumentation. And you see that one thing missing, and you're like, oh, God. And that's where if there's no systems yeah. of redundancy, then – from the backup yeah. to the backup, it is it is a bad position t for your for your surgeon, your patient, the staff, and obviously you to be in. But that's 
Right. I think the whole belt and suspender approach is just absolutely critical. As much as I hate that term, no but it, it is what it is, right? Yeah. <laughs> the backup to the backup, right, the system exactly. of redundancy, the fancy way to say that. Um, but ha- yeah, has there been a product pitch when you think about like the good side of things when somebody came to you and did everything the right way? Kind of like the first story you told, like that was going the right direction, went through the right channels, and then got there, and then right. and then for lack of a better term, just totally shit the bed. <laughs> so. Right, right. Exactly. So you had somebody yeah, exactly. like new tech, right? Like something that you like maybe you weren't familiar with and somebody gave you like the product pitch that that you'll never forget that maybe you're still using or you used for a long time. I don't know that I've I don't know that I can say that I've had a you know most memorable product pitch. I've had plenty of you know product demos that really went well. Um, some translate over and, and I start using some don't, I would say the majority of people that approach me in the right way, you know, being not in the OR and setting up a time, I think they generally do a really nice job. It's just as surgeons, you know, we're creatures of habit. So it's hard to break somebody's habit. And I think people are the most likely to change products or be more experimental when they're having issues with their current right. product. Right. So it's not like the disruptive products are getting your attention. It's when what you're using isn't working. So you're trying to find something that's going to work, not necessarily like the exactly. most cutting edge thing that's possibly out there. Because that has cost implications, workflow implications. So for you, it's, all right, this isn't working. I'm looking for the next best thing. Exactly. Got it. Yeah, and I think that's something good for reps to remember, too, that you've always got to keep your ear to the ground. You know, if you think that an opportunity is, is uh, you know, bad opportunity, that the business is airtight, maybe it's not. You know, don't give up that, you know, collected data points, intel, and just overall relationship. Hundred percent. You know, always keep the channels open. Um, just because a guy is not using you does not mean that you should totally tune out. And you know, one thing one thing that's interesting is as as every industry is having job shortages, right? There are shortages with reps, and even the biggest of biggest companies are having a hard time, you know, getting new associate reps and keeping senior people. And I'll tell you one thing is, is that when you're short of reps, sometimes cases don't get covered. And if cases don't get covered, you're going to get some angry surgeons. And when you get some angry surgeons, well, maybe they're looking for other companies to use where the reps are covering the I've product. S- I've seen that case. happen. You know, wh- where's yeah. the rep for company X? Why isn't he here? And then the rep for company Y yeah. is like, well, I'm here. And I've got all my sets on the shelf, processed, ready to go. Now they just got the case. They're good. 100%. Now they just had their opportunity to make that impression. You know, they, they, they just got into the starting lineup. 100%. So maybe that's a little tip or trick is, if you know that somebody locally is down a rep or 
you know, short, just keep an eye on that situation because if cases start to go uncovered, then, you know, Doc might start looking to use another product. Exactly. And you mentioned associates being hard to find. I'll tell you, when people are asking me for, for help getting word out there for an open role, associates has been 90% of it. And that's just not, my channel's not a great one for that. That that would ultimately be a waste of time for both of us because I don't have people trying to get in that follow me. If they, and if I do, it's a very, very, very small percentage. So, but it, yeah. but it paints a picture of what's going on in the industry that for whatever reason, whether it's compensation, the just daily grind of the associate, uh, it's hard to get people into some of those roles right now depending on the company and specialty. So, you know, it's a good point that you brought up, and I think it's something that companies really need to unpack from a recruiting and especially retention standpoint. No question. I mean, this is the exact conversation I was having with the trauma, the trauma rep yesterday from, you know, a big name trauma company. They can't find any associate reps. I mean, trauma lifestyle is hard, you know. And if you're not paying people for that, they're not going to want to do it. I have the it. ultimate respect for trauma reps out there. I mean, that is that is arguably the hardest job. And at least, you know, when I think about what I know most of, you know, ortho, neuro, that side of the business, that, that is just a – that's a beatdown. And those who have been in it for years just have the most respect for willing to just expend all that energy, you know, on the, on the call schedule. Um know your 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 time is is rarely your own and it's it's a hard job but people who are in a new and aspiring med tech reps are listening to this if you really want to learn like truly learn how to be a rep especially on the ortho side start as a trauma associate because you'll get your teeth kicked in but you are going to learn how to be tough and resilient and how to truly navigate um, you know, from an ortho standpoint, just every aspect of, of the clinical workflows and, and really what makes a good rep. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, one of my, I mean, very close friend and great relationship with currently, he's now he's a now distributor, but I met him when I was a resident. He was our trauma rep, and he was just grinding it out every single day, you know, at a level one trauma center. I don't know when he slept, but he helped out so much with the resident education. Um, and so, so knowledgeable. I mean, people like that are, are great to have in the operating room, especially when it's, you know, one o'clock in the morning and you're trying to put something back together and you've been working all day. I mean, having that you know, part of the team is, I mean, that's just invaluable. People take notice, you know, both from an industry standpoint and customer standpoint. You don't necessarily have to be in that specialty forever. But people are going to remember you, especially when you're there 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the morning. And I can't speak to, I wish I could speak better to other specialties like vascular and, um, you know, specifically that one because I think that they do, um, you know, a lot of very clinically focused things as well. But, yeah, you're absolutely right on the on the ortho ortho and even spine side. You know, that's a good way to get noticed. Well, I think 
Yeah, no question. No question. If 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 somebody's grinding it out with me at one in the morning, yeah, I mean I I'm I'm not gonna forget. Absolutely. That. And you know, if they're scoping a shoulder with me at, you know, eight o'clock in the morning, hey, that's cool. Thanks for coming by, but when you're in the trenches with me at one in the morning, I'm going to remember that. And that, that goes a long way for the relationship. And it goes a long way for protecting the idea of reps, you know, being present. Because you hear these arguments all the time. And we don't have to go too far into this because I know we're coming up on time where it's like, are reps going to be around in five years? Hell yeah, they're going to be around in five years. Have you seen what's going on? Have you seen what's going on with back order yeah. supply chain? Like just from that standpoint yeah. alone, you know, I feel like that's a lot of what I'm doing is managing that right now. But from the clinical workflow side, there are reps who have truly become part of these clinical teams. And the people who make these comments clearly have not set foot into a hospital to watch what reps are doing right right now to say that even as early as 10 years, I don't know what 15 years looks like, but 10 years, we're still right. going to be here. Oh, yeah, no question. No question. The job is just, it's just evolving. And, you know, I don't know if it means that, and this is probably going on, you know this more than I do, but maybe there's another position where, you know, I know some companies have like couriers to do some of that stuff and other companies are still using their associate reps to do some of that stuff. But maybe things become even more, I don't know, subspecialized within, you know, within what you guys absolutely are doing. i think there's ways that will make the sales model more efficient new tech's going to emerge but i don't think it replaces the reps at the ground level by any means um and i appreciate you sharing your insights on that um and it definitely makes me feel a little bit better even though i am still confident in that stance so um i know we've we've come up on time here and i'm so grateful for, for you joining me today and i i love everything we covered from content creation, fantasy football, and then to, you know, really the things that make great reps and, you know, annoying reps and bad tactics. There's a lot to take away <laughs> here. So, um, you know, thanks again. And truly been a pleasure, you know, getting to know you through social media and look forward to more of your content. Well, MDR, let me just tell you this. You've made me laugh so many times over the years and at the end of the day, that's what this is all really about, right? It's the good memories. It's meeting people. And um, most importantly, I finally got to see your face. <laughs> so now I know what MDR looks like. Uh, but I appreciate you having me on and supporting my content, you know, uh, over the years. And uh, always happy to uh, jump on and uh, talk about more uh issues hope it was oh, absolutely um i know i'm not speaking for myself when i say that this this content was extremely beneficial it's always good to hear another perspective about you know what makes us valuable what to do and what not to do so thanks again would love you ha would love to have you on again and you know let's definitely stay in touch yeah for sure and mdr let's uh if we've if you've got any listeners right now you know over on the east coast down down south let's just hope everybody stays safe and is okay absolutely thanks for bringing that up and we'd be praying for you guys in the south we southeast you know i hope the the hurricane turns out to be mild and hope everybody's taking precautions to protect themselves no doubt
Well, thanks again, Dr. Moss. And with that, Red Hat Gang, we'll wrap this up. Be sure to check the show notes for additional resources from previous podcasts. Check out the website, www.maddevicenetwork.com. If you need anything, you know where to find me, and good luck in quarter four. Oh, 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 oh,